And that's kind of where this message is going today. And, and I, I think that all of you realize uh, that we are at war. Amen? I know two days ago, my throat started getting sore, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And, oh, man, I was so frustrated. Just thinking about this weekend, I believe that we are called to a higher place. And, and I believe that you and me, brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are called to be better than the world. We're called to do things different than the world. It's, it's time, listen to me, it's time to end our timidity and to take our stand as believers as we battle the kingdom of darkness. I had never read this in the contemporary English version before, but 2 Timothy 1.7, in the, I believe it's the NIV, it, says, it uses the word timidity, but this one says, God's Spirit doesn't make cowards out of us. How many can say amen to that? Amen. You obviously know that, and I feel like I'm somewhat preaching to the choir today, if you know what I'm saying. Because you came, all right? The Spirit gives us what? Power, love, and self-control. And I'm telling you, this is how all of us should be living. Let me say that I am furious with the devil. I am mad at hell today. Why? Because I feel like he got one over on us. I really do. And I'm frustrated that what should have been an amazing weekend turned out to be a bunch of white, mushy, wet stuff that we call snow. Don't think that this late storm, this late spring storm, don't think this is just a result of Mother Nature. It's not. It was intentional. It was deliberate. And the devil wanted to stop what we were trying to do here this weekend. I also believe that a big part of the storm was the flu that hit our, our, our cast early this week. I'm like, you got to be serious. When God gets sick, you know something's wrong. <laughs> I'm saying that somewhat of a pun, you know what I mean? Because Ron, Father God, uh, he tells me, I think it was Friday, he said, Pastor, I'm not feeling that good. And I just went, oh, Lord. And I specifically have been praying for his voice because he sings if you haven't seen the play yet. It was awesome. It was awesome. Hallelujah. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. Why do you think the devil cared? Because he knew if we had this production, people were going to get saved. He knew people were going to leave his kingdom of darkness and enter into the kingdom of light. He knows that. And he wanted to do whatever he could to prevent those souls from being added to God's kingdom. You know, he's at war with every single one of us. Yeah. Young people, you especially need to get a hold of this. Because this is how I see it. God is watching out for you, but the devil wants you, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want you to be successful as Christians. And what you're facing in school, if you're in school, what you're facing in the community is, is nothing short of an onslaught from hell. 
You know, when I was little, when I was your age, and I was your age once, I know it's hard to believe. When I was your age, things were a lot different. Yeah, we still had stuff going on, but it wasn't as difficult as it is today to live for God. It's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And adults, your job, your life is no easier to live. When you look at what we're up against, and you know, I hope you, you see this. Right now, our nation is at the very cusp of righteousness and the other way. It could go either, the balance, I'm, I'm, we're, we're on, uh, we're like this right now. Righteousness, unrighteousness. We're balanced right in the middle. If it swings left, no intended meaning there, but unless you want to. If it swings left, hang on. And I believe this year is going to determine that. I do. We've been given a short reprieve. And we've got to do all we can with what God's given us to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Because the devil's not backing off. He'll go to great lengths to keep his claws in the hearts of men and women that he already owns. So for us to get them in here, for us to get them saved, that's nothing short of a miracle. To God be the glory. And I believe that's our job. Hear this part. I believe that as many of us, as we earnestly prayed that God would move this last weekend, we exercised the authority Christ gave us. We did everything we could. We had a night of prayer, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we stormed heaven, praying, God, release your spirit. And you know what? I believe he answered that prayer because Friday night we had that calm. That was the only time this weekend that we had just a little bit of calm, enough that about 100 people showed up in here from all over northern Michigan. And when that play ended, and when we gave them an opportunity to respond, there were about a dozen, a little over a dozen people. In fact, God's kingdom 15, the devil's kingdom zero Friday night. But the reason that I, I it, yeah, we should celebrate that. I'm telling you, we should. I might be drinking a little more water than I usually do. And by the way, I, I recommend everyone in here do this if you're greeting each other, or a hug, but probably avoid the handshakes for a, a week or two. Sorry, I just had to throw that out. The question that I asked was, how could this have been different? How would this have been different had this had this community not been hit with a whitewashed brick like it is. Think about the hundreds that could have come to Christ. And Originally, I saw that. Now, one of the brothers told me uh, a bit ago, and this word was for Vanessa, but I just want you to hear this, that one of the things that this play did, and I've heard this from many of you, is that it built family. All right? It, it, it bound you together, and, and I heard miracles happened just from people coming together 
to practice for this place. Some of you have made friends that you'll be friends for life. Some of you, I was told, drew closer to God through this. Through the practice, for crying out loud. That is awesome. And that's God. I believe that's God honoring you for investing in this production as you did. So I I believe the Lord is going to just continue to pour himself out. But I want you to get this in your spirit today. Again, we are at war. This is not a time to sit back on our hands, twiddle in our thumbs. This is the time to realize the urgency of the day. And if you call Jesus Christ your king, then you have already been called up. Brother Dave, you know what I'm talking about. You've already been activated. You're in the Lord's army. They're not going to call you. You've already been called. All right. In, in the day when I was growing up, they drafted you. You know, you'd wait. They'd give you a little card. And I never had to get mine because the war ended just before I turned 18. But my brother had to get his. And that little number on there, you would look just to see if your number came up. And he waited and watched and waited and watched. Well, he never got called up to go to Vietnam. But you have been called up. Your number has already come up. And you are in the Lord's army if you're a Christian. Can you say amen to that? And listen to this. When you belong to the army of the Lord, you are expected to do your part. You're expected to get in the fight. There's none of this... Well, you know, I just don't feel like it. Then you're not in the army. Period. Come on. You know, there aren't a lot of you here today, but you can be a little more exuberant. Everybody in this room, every person that calls themselves Christian is supposed to get in the fight and do your part, whatever that is. Whether cook or sharpshooter, you're all needed. You know, is Marie in here yet? She's still doing cookies. How many know that when this service gets over, it ain't about the cookies? Although I like cookies. What's it about? The fellowship. It's about coming together and just sharing stories and and laughing with each other and hugging on each other. It does something to your spirit. It energizes you. As much as the message does, I believe it's the cookie time that a lot of people are ministered to, right? Troy knows. He, I've seen him eating those cookies. <laughs> We're all needed. And as we draw nearer to the end of this age, and I believe that soon, we've got to get serious about what God's called us to do. I want to use an acronym today for war to help motivate God's people. And that is, wake up, stay alert, resist the devil. W-A-R. Wake, alert, resist. First, wake up. John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. 
You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. I want to tell you something. Those souls are ready for Jesus. But we got to get a hold of them. We got to go out with the sickle and start bringing them in in the name of Jesus. This is not the time to be sitting at home watching TV. This is the time to get serious about what God's called us to do because we're in a battle and that battle is going to determine where people's souls end up for eternity. Listen to this. As soldiers, our main objective is to reach the lost and then protect them from the enemy. That's what the church is supposed to do. You and me. Don't be looking at me and saying, oh, that's your job, Pastor. Uh-uh. You are the church. I'm just the one that's trying to give the direction here. It takes all of us. I can promise you that when people miss on a Sunday, if they don't show up for the second week and the third week, a lot of times, and I'm always looking, but a lot of times I don't, I, I go, hey, I didn't see so-and-so in Barbara. Go, oh, they've been here the last two weeks. But when we have a couple hundred people in here, it's hard for me to see who's here and who's not here. And Shelly, if you went missing, if you went AWOL, wouldn't you want somebody calling and saying, hey, where are you, girlfriend? Right? And if they didn't, how would you feel? Probably a little let down, like nobody cared. It takes all of us, folks. Children, you know when these kids go missing on Sundays, right? When you don't see your friends. How many of you have a phone? How many of your parents have a phone? Call your friends if you see them missing and saying, where have you been? I miss you. And be genuine. I mean, don't just do it because I said it. Hopefully you'll really mean it. Because you really love those people. You want them here, right? We're, we're doing this thing together. We're in this battle together. So it's our job to reach the lost, bring them in, and protect them from the enemy. But here's an issue. In Jesus, if you went through my Revelation series, you heard this already. But in the book of Revelation uh, chapter 3, and here he's talking to the church of Sardis, he said, wake up! Say that with me. Wake, wake up. up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. I'm telling you, Brother Dave, I mean, come on. If Jesus came today and said that to me, I'd be on my face bawling, man. Like, oh, God, really? I've let you down that much? Wake up, he's saying. The Holy Spirit to us today is saying, wake up. And then he says, go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it. For, how many remember when you got born again? Were you a little more excited than you might be today? Did you just hear what you said? I, I'm facing this too. Somebody just said, and one of our predecessors, uh, higher ups, said, you got to preach your message to yourself first. I heard this one already. You know what I'm saying? I've already preached it to me. And I stopped right here and I went, God, I remember what it was like when I first came to the knowledge of your saving grace to what you did for Norm. And it, it, ah, man, for months, I was so pumped. 
You kids ever experience that? You get pumped about who you are in Christ? Jesus saved you. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you afresh and anew. And when the Holy Spirit's in you, you can't help but be excited about things. I believe that with all my heart. So somewhere along the road, 1981, how many years is that? Look, you may not be a good mathematician, but that's ridiculous. 37. 37 years since I first became born again. And I had to stop when I read this and go, whoa. I should be more pumped today. I should be more excited about who I am in Christ today than I was in 1981. Can I get a witness? Amen. Right here, right here. So again, if the boot fits, wear it. Jesus is saying, uh, then he said, repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. And we know that that's not good news. When he comes to people as suddenly as a thief, he's not talking about the ones that are going to heaven. He's, he's talking about the other folks. So, be ready. I had this up here just as the study of the parable of talents. You can look at this later. I'm not going to read it. When Jesus said to wake up, he said, do the things that I commanded you to do, and you will be richly blessed. But if you continue to sleep through this life, Christian, your reward will be replaced with punishment. Don't let that happen to you. Read this if that's you. So, first part, watch. Second part, be alert. First Peter 5, 8, 9, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil, for he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to eat. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. I was going to take out that second verse just to shorten the message, and I thought, you know what, we need to see that again. When we start whining and crying about what we have to do here in America, and then we see how some of our brothers and sisters are losing their heads for their faith, refusing, refusing, refusing to confess any other name but Jesus. We've got to fight a snowstorm to come to church. Big whoop. They've got to fight the sword. It's happening all over the globe. So don't feel sorry for yourself just because you're here today. It's not that big a deal. Right? Stay alert. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. What are we supposed to stay alert to? The devil's schemes. He wants to destroy you. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, just this first part I want to read here. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of the armor, God's armor, so that you will be able to what? Against what? All the strategies of the devil. Now, the NLT calls this the schemes, strategies. But whatever you call it, basically, he, he watches us, kids, he watches you. He studies you. 
And then he tries to destroy you. That's his job. He is a murderer. He is the father of all lies, and he doesn't want any of us to make it to our eternal destiny. Hallelujah. That's what I wanted you to leave church with today. We have a real enemy. We've seen that this weekend. I believe that. Yes, we could have all stayed home in our nice, warm little palaces this weekend. Right? And Brother Mike, thank you for coming up, even thinking about blowing snow. This guy, he and Shelly, they, they clean the church and they keep the place looking amazing. And I love you guys. And, and you have taken such a load off of this man. Because I, I used to do it when we first started pastoring here. That was my job is on top of preaching. Uh, I'd be running around with a Johnny Mop Sunday morning and then coming out here and breaking the bread of life. That was fun. But I don't have to do that anymore because we have servants who are working in that area. That's right. I know that the devil didn't want anybody to be here this weekend. That was one of his schemes. And I've been a Christian long enough to know how he works. His schemes used the weather as a distraction. And, and other things, not just the weather. We need to be alert. That means that we have to have a frame of mind that's active. It's like you, after you've had your coffee or your orange juice in the morning, not before. You know what I'm saying? We have to be alert. You either are or you aren't alert. Right? There's no middle ground here. Brother, Dave, just because you're a soldier, part-time, but nevertheless, when you go down to Camp Grayling or wherever they put you, and, and you're doing the exercises, are you more alert than you are normally when you're just going through life? Even before. Even before. You get in that frame of mind, right? You, you're thinking, Army, Army, I'm a soldier for the United States of America, and I'm ready to do battle if that's what's required. You're in that mindset, amen? And that's what God wants us to get here today. We have got to be alert. We have got to be alert. 1 Corinthians 2.16, Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we must, we, sorry, but we understand these things, for we have what? The mind of Christ. Do you think if you have the mind of Christ, you're going to be alert to Satan's tactics? Now, if you've got, I'll pick on you. If you've got Tony's mind, yeah. But when you've been in the Word, when you've been praying, when you've been coming together with, with uh, other believers of like faith, man, it's, you're alert. You're charged. You're ready to go after it. That's what God wants us to get here today. Because too many are falling away. Too many are losing sight of what God wants them to do on this side of heaven. Now I knew that the devil was going to try to stop this production. 
The witness of that is I called for prayer Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Did I know a storm was coming? No. I could have seen that far out. Even the farmer's almanac isn't that accurate. But when I looked at the weather report on Monday and I went, oh God, serious? Because we haven't seen a storm like this all winter. And I went, no, that rascal's at it again. And we prayed Monday night. And we prayed Tuesday night. And there were words that were brought out prophetically that it was going to be an awesome weekend and that God was going to show up miraculously. And He did. He did. And He used many of you to implement that. I'm telling you, some of you people, you make really nasty-looking demons. Brian... I'm glad you're on our team, man. When they put that makeup on you, you were spooky. Yeah, I'm just saying. It, Colleen has a picture of Satan praying for God. He'd already, been, he'd already put his makeup on, and, and Ron had said he wasn't feeling good. So Brian said, I'll pray for you, brother. And she took a, she said, I got to get this picture. <laughs> we, we won't advertise that, but it was pretty funny. Wow, the mind of Christ. Let me say here, there's no better tool than to train your children by your example. And, and I'm just throwing this in because if, if you don't teach them how to pray, where are they going to be when they're 18? When they're 25, when they're having their own kids, where are they going to be? What are they going to be doing? Are they going to be teaching their children how to pray? How to come to church? How to make it a habit? So I encourage you to be a strong example. And not just for your children, but for your grandchildren, for you older fogies. That's right. Prayer is used two ways. Oops, I should have had that up there. Sorry, I missed that one. Prayer can be used two ways. Defensively and offensively. Which one should we be? Thank you. Yes, exactly. I believe, I love this, I believe the best prayer is offensive. It's offensive to the devil. You hear what I'm saying? When we're defensive... We're at His mercy. When we're offensive, He has to fight on our terms. If you wait until you're under attack before you pray, that's defensively. But if you go after Him in prayer, according to the Scripture, if you pray for your health, if you pray for your marriage, if you pray for your job, if you pray for your pastor, please pray for your pastor. And you know what? If you come in here and you fall asleep because my message is boring, it's your fault. That's right, because you should be praying that the anointing come on whoever's up here. And by the way, there should have been another man standing here today, which is another reason that I'm mad. J.P. Dorsey was supposed to speak today. The president of North Point College. And I called him Friday and I said, brother, don't even try. I'm just saying, though, 
I was so, you know what? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I was really looking forward to hearing his message. When he came the last time, it was awesome. He is such a brilliant man, and he leads our young people. He leads Pastor Tony. That's where he goes to school. We're blessed in our colleges. We are. We've got some amazing people, and they're teaching them how to do the things I'm talking about here today. Pray for your son or your daughter's friends. Hello? Don't wait till they're 18 either, right? Pray for them when they're young. God, saddle them up with some good people. Bring Christians into our community if they're not already here, or help us to get them saved so they will be equally yoked, not unequally yoked. Soldiers in God's army, we don't use bullets, we use prayer. That's our weapon, one of them. Do you have any ammunition, soldier? You have the Word of God, and pray that Word of God. So, watch out, wake up, be alert, and then the last one, resist. Resist the temptation of the world. Resist it with all that you have. James 4, 7 and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Say this with me. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The problem with the world today is that they're walking in pride. You see, you don't recognize that you need Jesus until you humble yourself. And that's a real issue today. Man has gotten so puffed up with his education, and I just ordered a book that's talking about this. It's, it's actually the, uh, how science has become a god for our people. It's a religion. It's a belief system. And I'll tell you more about it when I read it. But today, what I want you to understand is if you haven't already done this, you've got to get on your knees and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. That's where you've got to start. If you don't, the devil's just going to be kicking you all over the place. And he might leave you alone for a season because you're not doing anything for God. But then again, he might just wipe you up, mop you up, use you as a mop to clean the floor because he doesn't like anybody. He may pretend like he does, but it's short term. He hates people. The devil doesn't want to be your best friend. He hates you. Recognize what James is saying. You aren't resisting the devil here. You're resisting what the devil can do. The temptations that he brings along your path. That's what you're resisting. Do you think he's trying to sidle up next to you? No way. He can't stand you. But he'll put temptation in your path. He'll try to trip you up if he can. And this is where we have got to fight. The next part of this says, come close to God, and God will what? Come close to you. You want to be more effective for God's kingdom as a soldier in the Lord's army? Hang out with the general. 
Sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? <laughs> Hang out with the Holy Spirit. Open your Bible up and say, God, speak to me today. Hallelujah. Give me everything I need for today. Praise your name. If you do that versus watching TV or going shopping, I'm telling you right now, you will be blessed beyond measure. And then finally, the second part of this verse, wash your hands, you sinners. Kind of kind of rough. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And this is what you've got to get in your spirit. You cannot live in the world and serve Jesus. That's having a divided loyalty. Listen to what James 4.4 says. You know, I've had people say, Pastor, you use a lot of Scripture. Yep. Because my verbiage is nothing. But if it's God anointed, when I share God's Word, it will not return void. You may not like it, I may not be the most affluent, good-speaking, I know that's not right, (laughs) proper-speaking pastor, but I don't care because I preach the Word. Hallelujah! James 4.4, you adulterers. In some of the translations it says adulteresses. It's not just men, adulterers, adulteresses. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Now you kids, I don't know if you get this. What does it mean to be a friend of the world versus a friend of God? What do you think it means? Letting the world tell you what to do? How we live our life? Are we living righteously or unrighteously? Is our whole life driven by what the world has to offer or by what God is giving us? And you have to decide which team you're playing for, which army you're living for. And this is really strong language, I believe, but I'm telling you. And then I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, wow, you make yourself an enemy of God. Man, you know when you read this, if you don't walk out here today a little more sober than when you came in, all of us need to evaluate. In fact, I think that's how we're going to close today, just to stop and go, Lord, speak to me. Is there something in my life that takes higher precedent than you? Whatever that might be. Am I living for the world more than I'm living for you? Am I more geeked about going to a concert or a ball game than I am about going to church? If that's you, if that's me, we should be suspect about our loyalty. Again, think about how a soldier trains. They eat, they sleep, and they breathe army. We already talked about that with Brother Dave. The soldier eats properly, exercises, and keeps his or her mind sharp because they know their life might depend on it. He or she also practices and practices so that when a a situation arises that requires that action, it's going to be instant, split second. They're not going to have to think about it because they're trained to jump into battle, into fire, or whatever it might be. 
Agree? Is that pretty close to truth? How do we as Christian soldiers treat our faith? Better yet, how do you treat your faith when it comes to this kind of thinking? If you wait until you're up and into deep doo-doo, you know what I'm saying? You guys know what doo-doo is? I'm just asking. TV dinners. Really? Anyway, if you end up waiting until you're up to your waist in deep doo-doo, you got, you already lost the battle. <laughs> You've already lost. You have to know your enemy better than he knows you. You have to know your enemy better than he knows you. You have to be prepared for his assault. How do you learn that? By studying your Bible, by going to church, by learning to exercise your faith. Look at the last part of this, 1 Timothy 3, 7. This is actually aimed at the leaders of the church. But he said, Moreover, he must be a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into, approach, into reproach in the snare of the devil. Here we see that the devil snares or traps people. He traps you kids into thinking it's okay if you do this little sin. It's okay if you lie to mom or dad because you don't want to get in trouble, right? For that, that, you know what I'm talking about. Remember when you got caught doing something you weren't supposed to and you lied and you said, oh no, mommy, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. What is that? To lie. Where do liars go? Repent of your sins if that's you. Here's a snare. Now see, if the Moody clan were here today, they would know what this was. Because I think Pastor Bob used some of these, didn't he? Probably. But a, a snare or a trap, you can see, it, and when that little critter goes in there and he sticks his head through that noose to grab, the, they're showing a stake, but probably not a stake for a raccoon. But anyway, what's going to happen? Sometimes it, it's made just to catch their foot and they can't get loose until the trapper gets to them and then has his way with them. The devil does this to us. We've got to be watching for this. I recently read about snares in a devotion called Days of Praise by uh, ICR Ministries. That's... that's uh, what is it? International Creation Research. In the devotion titled Snares, they listed these different traps that the devil uses. And I wanted to just share a couple of them. First, worldly involvement. Jesus warned us to watch out for the snares of worldly involvement. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. Like a what? A trap. That's the word right there. That's the, the Greek word, pages. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. And then he says, 
keep alert. Going back to that very that middle thing. Keep alert at all times. Pray that you might be strong enough to escape the coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. How many of you want to be standing before the Son of Man? How many of you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Not the opposite, right? Get thee away from me, you wicked and lazy servant. Chastised for not using what God had given them. Another snare that the devil uses is the love of money. Recognize the love of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're rich. Just that it consumes you. You're always going after it and you never have enough. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Don't be that person. Don't go after the world. Don't go after money. Trust God. Love God. Spend your time with Him. And He'll make sure all the rest of this stuff is good. Just read Matthew chapter 6. Go toward the end. You'll see. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will what? Be added to you. What I want you to see here is that Satan has many evil plans for us. And the only way to avoid the snares that he set is to understand his ways. Just as he plans to trap us, we can outwit him by having the mind of Christ. Can I get a good amen? Finally, recognize according to Ephesians 6 that the battle we fight is spiritual. A final word, be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. I kind of started with that one. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 